from the scriptures in First Chronicles 29. I just want to read and have our hearts just be united in this. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand it is uh, to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and we praise your glorious name. Lord, we are here together as a family of faith. We're here together as the ecclesia, as the church, the church that you gave your life to birth, Lord. And so we come out of obedience here to encourage one another, to um, admonish one another, to love deeply one another. Lord, that's what you have called us to. And so, Father, now out of obedience, may we humbly submit ourselves, Lord, to your word, Lord, to your authority. We submit humbly to you, Lord. We pray these things in your holy name. And all God's children said, Amen. 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 Please be seated. How great to be able to be with you here this morning. Um, always want to never take for granted a brand new day God has given us. You know, every so often we have one of our saints, our brothers or sisters in the Lord, um, get their heavenly promotion. And this week, David Carpenter um, got his heavenly promotion. And so can you please pray for Margaret, pray for the family as uh, just they, they grieve uh, Dave's sudden passing here this week. But you know, it's, it's encouraging to be a part of a family that has a network. And I know there are those I have even met this morning who are just curious about church, looking into being a part of a church. And I just really want to admonish you just to be a part of a family of faith that digs and gets into the word of God that points us to the living word, Jesus Christ. We are unashamed that we are a church that makes much about Jesus Christ. And, and I would say we need to always make more of his name than our name or church name, a pastor name, a whatever name. Jesus Christ is the name that we come under his authority. Amen. Amen. You know, I was reading uh, something recently that really was a, a, a bummer for me as a pastor. Um, it was a Barna study on, a, uh, on just the state of the North American church. And in this uh, survey, they asked, um, do you know what the Great Commission is? And 51%, and this is from church folks in North America, 51% could not articulate the Great Commission. 25% had heard of it, but were unable to articulate what it meant. 17% um, said yes, but they're really unable to kind of define the importance of it. 6% said not sure what it meant at all. And I think, man, if we're in the church of Jesus Christ, this is why we have got to 
get back into the fundamentals of what God has designed and created his bride, the church, to be. A living organism, a breathing organism made of men, women, and children who have submitted themselves to the authority of Jesus Christ, the head, the true head of the church. And so with that, uh, I just want to remind us of something as we conclude our series on Ecclesia today, and that is this. There is a church because there is a mission. There is a church because there is a mission. There's not a mission, and uh, there's not a mission, and so there's a church. No, the mission comes first. And we've got to remember the order of that, folks. That there is a mission that we are called to, the Great Commission. Jesus' words to his followers, which is what a disciple is, a follower of Jesus Christ. It says, go out as you are going into all the world, into all the world. Remind everyone what I have taught and baptize, coming under a new authority, baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus Christ has made a way and that that word needs to, to march out and go forth among the people of faith. And I tell you, that excites me. I hope it excites you. Sometimes I feel like, okay, man, I'm trying to energize people, but you know what? I I am just going to trust the Holy Spirit is going to do what the Holy Spirit and only the Holy Spirit can do. I can't change a heart. The Holy Spirit can change a heart. Amen? Amen? I think sometimes, though, when it comes to the church, and this is what the Ecclesia series is designed to lovingly shake us up a little bit. It's designed to do this because uh, I'm going to age myself right now, but uh, any of you remember Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Oh, yeah. All right. Time to bring some humor into the mix, right? Um, One of my favorite scenes in that entire movie, I'm hoping I'm not causing any of you to stumble and fall in your Christian walk, but bear with me. Um, there is the scene where, you know, the bridge keeper, the bridge keeper um, uh, protected the bridge that crosses an abyss of eternal peril. Remember that? And he says, okay, three questions I ask. If you answer these three questions right, then you are able to cross the bridge. Do you remember that? So everyone's a little bit nervous. You've got uh, King Arthur, you've got Sir Lancelot. But uh, Sir Lancelot, because he was so brave and being the first knight, uh, he nervously steps forward and the gatekeeper asks, what is your name? So he tells him. And then what is your quest? To seek the Holy Grail. And then what is your favorite color? He says, blue. All right, you can pass. Oh, then with that, it's like, oh, wow, it's that easy. The second knight goes up. Um, What is the capital of Assyria? I don't know. Boom. You know, he's thrown into the abyss, okay? Uh, Night number three, Um, what is your name? What is your quest? What's your favorite color? A blue. No yellow. Thrown into the abyss. Got her wrong. I love that. I mean, hopefully I'm not the only one with morbid humor. (laughs) But then you've got King... Arthur, he goes up, what is your name? What is your quest? And then what is the airspeed velocity of an uh, unladen swallow? Whoa, do you know that one? You know the answer to that one? 
Then he says, well, do you mean an African swallow or a European swallow? (laughs) To which the bridge keeper said, "Uh, I don't know. To which the bridge keeper goes over. Now, I say that because every good talk needs some humor. And to say that, I think so many times in the church we so simplify uh, you know, we, we picture that one day, you know, St. Peter is going to be there at the gates of heaven and said, okay, are you able to answer this question? Who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ. Good, you're in. And I think that's how simple we have made the, the walk of faith. And it's so much deeper. It's so much richer. So much richer. And I think with that, this is why we've got such an awesome responsibility to be the church of Jesus Christ. God has designed the church of Jesus Christ to be. We have said that in this series, our hope, my prayer, our, our church leadership prayer for this church family through this series is uh, three statements. Can you remember those statements? The first statement is every attender a member. And it's not like we are going to devalue you if you just said, hey, I ain't going to be a member of nothing. Uh, I'm just going to attend. Okay, attend away. But I think that if you limit your commitment to simply that of attending, you are not going to learn how to sacrifice for your family of faith. This is why this series is preparing us for the days in which we're going into. I had emails from some of you just saying, hey, thank you for at least addressing the Israeli conflict and, and how you address that. Thank you so much. to which it was followed up, but do you believe Jesus could come in our lifetime? And I say, absolutely. I totally think Jesus. I I think when you look at everything, it's like everything is just coming into great order, but I also know that I'm not the only generation that has thought Jesus is coming in their generation. But in the meantime, as I said last week, that doesn't mean we just study prophecy and try to figure things out like CSI, that we really are compelled by the love of Christ, by, by John three sixteen that says, for God so loved the world. That, and that so is so significant. Did say God's, God loved the world. No, he so loved the world. Because he so loved the world, it should compel us uh, to go out. And so we said every attender a member, every member a disciple. A disciple of who? The church? No, Jesus Christ. And every disciple on mission. Last week, we had our ministry partners, our local ministry partners out there in the concourse. You guys had great dialogue with them. It was encouraging to hear some who said, hey, our small group now is going to start helping out at this ministry. It's like, praise God. You know, that is the hope of this. But today, we're taking this more to a global focus. That what is the responsibility of the local church globally? Shouldn't we just take care of our own I mean, I see Michelle Halley, who just came back from Armenia, you know, who just did incredible work with a Samaritan's Purse, and I praise God that God brought her back safely, but that, man, she was keeping us updated of what God is doing. But, you know, there's so much need all around the world, but the greatest need that people have is the Savior to address the sin issue of our soul. Would you agree with that? Do you know that out of the 8 billion people living on this planet, do you know how many of those still are unreached, still have not heard the name of of Jesus Christ? Any idea? Out of 8 billion people, studies show that 2.8 billion still, 2.8 billion. 
I mean, you go, what? How is that possible? Well, we can be so Americanized and so thinking that the whole world has the opportunities that we have. They do not. That's why there's no greater joy than to have us be a sending church, training people up and sending them out, sending them out, sending them out. Because this is how we get to be a part of that. Why? Because Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Do you notice, of all those words in there, are you drawn to one of them? I, I'm, I'm, I like the power one. Man, I, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Why? Because it is the gospel that has the message of Jesus Christ, why he came in the flesh. And now, as he has addressed our sin issue once and for all, I mean, that seals us for eternity. And I, I can't even fathom that. But with that, to know how many people yet have to hear. So this is why we do what we do. Um, we are blessed here on our church staff to have Anita Olila. Anita Olila is our GS Outreach Director. Um, I'm going to invite her up to the stage. Um, Anita, come on up here. You know, for those of you who know Anita, know that Anita has incredible wisdom. She has a heart for the world. Um, anytime I have a question about any of our missionaries at any time, Anita knows what is going on. I know so many times churches can send out missionaries and then there is no communication. But I tell you, Anita does such a great job on behalf of our church family. But I have asked her just to be able to come up and help us understand the bigger picture behind why we do missions globally today. Because it's a privilege. I think sometimes growing up, maybe if you came from a church which immediately talked about a missionary, a particular person who was called out from the church to serve, we kind of neglected to talk about people who are all invited to the mission of God, who are welcomers, who are senders. How do people go if we don't have the church behind them? And the other thing is just with the verse Brian just said about John 3.16. I don't know if anyone here ever remembers, but were you ever asked to put your name in place of so that the whosoever was you? I went through a period of that. And in our culture, we're pretty individualistic. And so all of a sudden, we start making it our mission rather than the understanding that because Christ died for us, we have the privilege of being asked into the mission of God to be not just intellectually um, accepting the, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, but also to be a part of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And we often skip past that. And scripture shows us, John 17, all the reminders about the power of God. And before Jesus um, was talking to the disciples about of going, um, it was with power and not just in our own strength. Our culture is pretty individualistic. And sometimes we judge others by saying, well, just get up and do it. Well, first of all, we remember it is God's mission. It's his power. We're proclaiming his kingdom, not our culture. We're not trying to prove our culture is best by what scripture says because we get value from different cultures. We need to be a part of the mission of God 
so that everyone can hear. And the, the way we do that is a little bit differently. So we started out with this little slide here, and I hope I'm not jumping past that, No, Brian. Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8, Jesus, I mean, he's got his disciples, and he says before he ascends, he, he says this. He says, you will receive power. So we've talked about the power. And, and again, that is a power that is available to every follower of Jesus Christ. That you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And then it's like concentric circles, okay? He starts locally and then goes out further. And I know so many times it could simplistically be in settings like this where we just said, oh, yeah, just go out locally. And then, you know, just and, and it seems so clean. It's clean. And it also lets like us that. take uh, responsibility like we're in the middle and then what's going out, it's what we're doing. And really, we always have to look to our Heavenly Father and to Jesus was always testifying to what the Father had done. And we cannot be just testifying to what we think we need to do. And the other thing is this next slide. Um, we've been talking about a river a lot. And when you have multi-people, churches globally coming here, um, we're going different places. All these concentric dots that are very clear to God's plan, um, they're in moving water. And it can get a little weird to us, like, what is going on? I don't understand this. And if you're the type of person who doesn't understand it, you're going to either say, I'm not going to do anything, or you're going to run through like a bull in a china shop and say, I'm going to do something because I just can't stand waiting around for this. Um, embroidery, the, um, the picture of the embroidery looks very clear, and I think of God looking down on what he's doing, but for what we're doing, we're looking up, and it's just all those little knots tied, and we have to recognize that um, it's so important to understand that it is God, God in us, and the Holy Spirit, and Yes, and I think to your point, too, you know, when you look at that image, the concentric circles go outward, but they bash into others, I, I call that concentric backsplash. You know, we, we, you know it's, it's bouncing off the, the edges. It's, it's bouncing back. It gets chaotic, as you were saying. And I think to your point you said earlier, Anita, I think so many times we in the uh, uh, North American church can think other people need our help. And so, yeah, we've got a job to do. Man, they need us. But I think what I hear hearing you saying is... This mission that we're called to is not just we imparting, but so many times as we are imparting and being a part of mission, man, the, the backsplash comes back to us and the blessing comes back this way, right? Right, because we all know when God is working in our life, maybe he's been calling us to him for many years. Maybe he's asking us to trust him for something that's five years down the road and we're kind of an instant society here. And when we can go and, and really look to see how is God working in a different area, we get the benefit of seeing kind of a little bit farther down the path. So for what someone else has been working on and been faithful for multiple years, we get to see, wow, that seems so fast, that seems so easy. Well, it's only easy when you just come to get to visit it at that point in, in the, the pathway. I think of the value of visiting. We went to Jordan this I guess it's still this year. Yeah. And we visited a, pl a place, and um, he's been sending us weekly updates, and his name is Jonathan. And he tells a story, and I think why the story is important, it's so easy for us to get behind news 
news flashes or trying to decide what side we're on or what we're going to do. But he tells a story that they had gotten to know a Palestinian Christian couple uh, about a year and a half ago when they came to Jordan for IVF treatment. They'd wanted to have a baby. And during this time, they've gone back to Palestine and the Gaza Strip and had, they've been keeping track of them on WhatsApp and just waiting to see, are the bars enough for them to hear what's going on? And he reported last week that um, they had gone to the church for safety because they felt like there was no other place they could actually go. And what they found out was that um, that church had been bombed and the mom and the dad and the baby were killed. And they're Christian. And it's, if we don't get to know other people and see how much God cares for every person he's created in his image, whether they're here or long-term, we start to get kind of judgmental or feel like, well, what does that, how does that touch us? We need to be touched by those who are both um, Christians who are standing up for, for Christ and following what he's leading in their particular countries and places to learn from what that could mean. We don't know how the years ahead will be for us. And also to know that it's real people, and as much as we may have tears, it's a privilege to know them and to pray and be encouraged by them. That's right. You know, years ago I read a book uh, by John Piper called Let the Nations Be Glad, and there he had a quote that said, missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exists because worship doesn't. I, I, you know, I meditated and thought about that for a long time, and really he, I, I think a point he's making is that when we fall in love with the Lord, the God of the Bible, and we see that he has always been a global thinking God, always, always, always. Back to the Abrahamic covenant, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. So he's always been, a, a, you know, that kind of a God. But so many times in churches, it's like, well, we got to have a missions program because why? Well, you know, to be a good Christian, we got to do mission but mission should be driven out of worship to God. The more we press into seeing him, the more I believe that should compel us. Would you agree? I would, because when we talk to people who've come from maybe a Muslim background or different backgrounds where their view of a God is different from our living God, our moving God, we don't understand to the great degree of when we've grown up in a culture and maybe had a Christian home around us, what we take for granted in understanding, well, you know, how much different is the Christian faith than anything else? This is, this is very different. Um, we don't pick up our, um, our Heavenly Father and take him around like an idol. He's not content with that. We're called to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and our neighbors as ourselves. So if we are walking closer to a moving God, we are going to be getting so excited about everything that he is able to do, everything that he's given to us as his children, and just the, I don't know, it's the unbelief of how he would want to use us as individuals and his, his church together to do his, his, his bidding. It's just a privilege. So, so then our mission, I mean, you know, our, our mission we've said is help people take a step closer to Jesus. But what I'm hearing you saying is helping people take a step closer to a moving Jesus, not a stagnant Jesus. A, a God who is on the move. I mean, that really is what Ecclesia is. It's coming under the authority. And it's the authority of a God on the move, not stagnant. <laughs> But God is a God on the move. Uh, expound a little bit more on that, if you wouldn't mind. Well, I'm going to use another John Stock quote. All right. Um, 
We had, um, the God in the Old Testament was a living God, a God on the move and on the march, who is always calling his people out to fresh adventures and always accompanying and directing them as they went. So um, I think sometimes in the world today, we're so worried about being safe that we feel like God is calling us to the interior of a church building where everyone is going to kind of believe like us. So we don't have any discussions more on the margins for going, God made you like this. He made me like this. He's calling us to the same task, but he's not calling us to become um, robotic and all the same. He, he wants a diverse church in the middle of unity, which is the and that gets a little tricky at times. It does get a little tricky. I mean, contextualization is difficult. I think even from sharing Christ with your neighbors to sharing Christ to somebody living in a different context, what I love about the promise of Scripture is that the Holy Spirit will give us what is needed at the time that is needed. The question is, are we pressing into Him enough to have the frequency with the Holy Spirit in our hearts so lined up that we're able to capitalize, uh, capitalize on those divine moments, so to speak, and to be able to allow the Spirit's help to help us contextualize? Because it's complicated. It is so complicated out there, and, and maybe I couldn't jump across the screen, screen quite like Kenneth did in the, in the little preview, but <laughs> I am, I'm, sometimes you say, yeah, I am really excited, because when I get really excited, I can get quiet and just more pensive, but to just think that maybe we have not been called to go out to, to reach others across the country, across the world, but... With the diaspora right now and refugees coming to our country, how often do we have the privilege of maybe having a neighbor who is part of the whole world that years ago we wouldn't have had that opportunity? How exciting is it that our God cares so much about people that he's going to be allowing movements around the world to allow better connections so those who are unreached and, and maybe have never heard of anything have opportunities. How exciting is it for maybe people to be able to grow up in this country, come to Christ, have their next generation of children want to go back to uh, their relatives or originating country. It, is, it just gives me shivers how exciting it is right now. It, it is. is. You know, I, I talk to Christians who, you know, there is just something about our society and culture today. Everything is fear-driven. Like, everything is fear-driven. And I just don't see that in God's Word. I mean, no matter what circumstance, the greatness of the gospel is that no matter the circumstance we are in, we may not like the circumstances we're in, but we can always trust this sovereign, a good God is even over those circumstances. I mean, we see what happened in the news in Maine this week and our hearts break. But, you know, there is so much tragedy going on each and every day around the world, in your communities, but God has designed the church to be the salt and the light and to shine that. And don't be discouraged if you feel like, oh, I'm not sure, I, is, this just isn't me. I will tell you, frankly, my first short-term trip, the biggest worry I had was having to sleep and share a bedroom with people I didn't know. I'm an only child, I always had my own bedroom. That was a big thing. And we have a God who kind of is a little humorous, too. My first night in Romania, uh, not only did I have a room to myself, I had a room with three beds so I could have shifted during the night. And I also had my, old, my own bathroom with gold fixtures because it was in the days of Ceausescu where he, he spread gold around the place for his buddies. So 
God is faithful when we do take that step next to him. And he's not always calling us to go out of the country, but maybe he's calling you to go, I will learn about a country that's on the top 50 list, and I will choose to um, pray once a week for them there and just follow a pattern. I will choose to um, see who's around me and, and say, I'm going to watch them for a while and maybe find a need. We have the ability to develop a friendship allows us to have uh, maybe someone would rather hear something from someone they at least know a little bit. Have you ever been stopped on the street and someone's handing you a brochure about um, something and go, I don't know you, I'm not even going to read this. So we want to make those connections ahead of time too. And that's another exciting thing to be used by God. Absolutely. You know, one thing I really appreciate about you and what you bring to the staff team is you've helped educate us as a team with five stages towards deeper impact. Um, you know, I think so many times we can just so generalize and just go, hey, you know, share your faith and just, you know, go do that. But um, can you talk to us a little bit about these five stages of, of changing attitudes to, to help us grow into being a people who make deeper impact? Yeah, I'm going to give credit. These stages were originally um, done by Don Vanderplatz, and it was related to wanting the church to be better able to understand how to reach out to people with disabilities. But we're finding that there is so much value in understanding these uh, steps just for taking us through different aspects of where God would want us to maybe go next. So the first stage is ignorance. And I have no interest in getting to know any, anyone else. I'm busy with what I'm doing. I don't really care. And that's, that's difficult. But if God cares so much to make people in his image and he cares enough to want to call us out, and in the Lord's Prayer itself, um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and talking about the kingdom of God on earth, can we maybe know that in one area for caring for the globe, people in different countries is admit we're ignorant and take a first step of finding out a little bit more about them, uh, creating more awareness so that you can be ready. Maybe this little prick in your, your mind right now is Holy Spirit getting you ready for something he wants you to be ready for in a year, or maybe it's tomorrow. I don't know. And if I could jump in on that, um, you know, God has brought a whole bunch of people of the world here, even to our community, and I think it's a really gospel innovation making us pray for, Lord, what might be those that we can invite around our dinner table that, man, I just want to learn about their culture because, man, there is just so much value that other people can bring to the table. Again, our mindset many times is, well, look, I can't wait to impart all this to you. But, um, yeah, you know, if we're ignorant of their context, we really don't even know how to love them well. And we also don't know about ourselves what we're ignorant, that they are giving to us as well. When, when we're asked to reach out to others, it's not just for their benefit, it is for our own, so that we can be a, a, a stronger person who can worship God because we see how great a God he is, not that we see how great a person we are. So that beginning awareness is kind of cool. I also call it the parallel universe, um, where we're just walking through time like this, or maybe with, if we're thinking of the river flowing out, you're on the shore and you're not even looking at the water. So that would be a first step, and that's okay. You have to start somewhere. As a physical therapist, we'd have people come into our office and say, my hand hurts. And when you looked at their posture and you looked at their neck, it was like, 
we would say, yes, we see your hand hurts, but it's really your neck. And it's that misunderstanding about what the real problem is. So this ignorance stage is kind of just choosing to say, hmm, what, what is this all about? Do I not really care? Good. Next stage? Next stage is pity. It's so easy to pity someone. It allows us to stay at the level of we're the giver, we're the one in control, we're the one God's called to help this person, and it's very one-directional out. And we've talked about directions back and forth. As a physical therapist through the years, um, and being an only child, um, my dad died when I was young, the, the love I get from somebody who maybe is pitied by others has been remarkable in seeing just how God uses everyone. But we have to kind of at least not be ignorant enough to get to the pity stage to go, oh, well, maybe they're worth noticing. It's not, it's, sometimes it's valuable. If it's a first step along a building a relationship, we just keep our mouth shut and don't say, I pity you. Um, but to say, hey, can we, we join in this together? Or for me, it's been helpful as I've gotten older. Sometimes a neighbor wants to help me. I don't feel really old, but they'll say, you shouldn't be lifting that or doing that. And sometimes I just have to say, thank you, rather than go, I can do it. So um, sure. there's just that. So understanding what pity allows and what pity doesn't do. So that might be you're standing on the, the side of the river and you're starting to maybe go, I'll put my, my foot in to keep the current away from someone or maybe I'll allow you into my yard. I at least notice you, but I'll let you into my yard. And I'm going to interrupt right there because I know there's some new people here. And when she's referring to the river, um, we, at the vision of uh, Grace Spring Bible Church, Ezekiel 47 is the vision of water coming from the temple and heading eastward. And the further east it goes, the deeper it goes. And everywhere the river went, dead things turned to life. And trees were growing and the roots were going deep and the fruit was um, growing and the leaves were for healing. And so when she uses this terminology, it brings us back to Ezekiel 47. So how about the uh, next stage? Well, we've kind of swooped, there's swoops on the bottom of this, so awareness into access. So stage three is care. We um, recognize that maybe we all have value and we, we, we need to be cared for. It will, it will bring a state of um, a beginning relationship, but it's not super deep. Again, care phase can still be us outwardly giving to somebody without truly understanding how much we need from other people. That um, the church wasn't made just so that it's an idea. You know, we don't need all eyes. We don't need all toes. We don't need that. So when we're bringing other people in, we want to um, invite with the idea of building some diversity for assets that we can have to be uh, better equipped to be the church around. So we're getting to that care phase. Number four is friendship. And that's the phase where, hmm, yeah, I think I, I, we can hang together. I, I understand you a little bit more. You understand me. And it's more of a, a mutual um, interaction. Maybe we're deeper at the water. Um, sometimes it's called you're being invited to the table. Um, so sometimes, though, still, it's we're doing the inviting, someone else is coming, and it's still a little tipped. And um, God created us to be equal within the church, just with diverse gifts. Yeah. So we need to, to remember that when we're reaching out to different cultures and around the world. 
And if I can interject something there, I think really uh, we in the church too have a tendency of just hanging out with those just like us, believing like us, perspective like us, everything's like us. And then we look around and some people who are even visiting churches looking for a church, many times they'll go to a church and they'll go, oh, do I see myself connecting with anybody? And they go, oh, no, I don't see that. I'm going to go off to another church as opposed to the common thread that I think should drive all of this is that, you know, you might be different from me. You might hold different political view than me. You might be uh, this different perspective than me. But, you know, there is such value for us to sit around the table, for us to get to know and develop friendship. Um, I just think, yes, we always need to have those friendships. You know, you, you, you become like your three to five closest friends. Those are important, true. But at the time, are we leveraging even our table to um, move through these steps like you're encouraging us? And sometimes we have to remember, too, how we would look about um, for people who don't know Jesus, how we would be reaching out to them, why we would maybe balance our cultural approach to someone else, um, that's true outside and inside the church, but when we're within the church body, we follow the same Christ um, we follow who gave his life for us. And so at that point, we have to remember, is this a kingdom truth or a cultural or familial um, habit or way we've organized? So going back uh, uh, over and over again to kingdom truths. Number five, we have gotten to the point we really understand what it is to be a co-laborer. Whether we're a co-laborer here, but it's exciting to have co-laborers around the world. Every time I go someplace, I learn so much about how a different culture is approaching reaching out to people, um, following Jesus uh, in Lebanon in February. One of the big things there was they had had war with um, one of their neighbors for quite a few years. That country had taken over their property, then they left, and now they're coming to Lebanon as refugees. So how would you feel if you knew that people who were like them had either killed, murdered, or raped your family, or had taken over your country? What do we do as a human versus what does God call us to do? He calls us to the widows and the orphans and to have hospitality with our enemies. Um, inviting people into the kitchen, not just to the table. We are wanting to do that. Do we, we have to judge it a little bit, but right now, Lebanon still has more than 90% of their money devalued. They're at increased inflation rate. They have stuff shooting around them all over the place. Um, they have people within their country um, not liking each other. And my latest communication with them, what have they done? They have bought a, a center so they can reach out and serve the displaced people within Lebanon in the middle of the, the Middle East. So if you feel like you're a little scattered here, look at what people who understand, who've come from different backgrounds, who understand what a great and glorious God we have been saved through, through Jesus Christ, and how we're allowed to go on and worship with, with people and also to be part of the kingdom. Amen. You know, here at Grace Spring Bible Church, mission is a big deal. It's a big deal. I know our people get excited about mission. Um, many get excited about giving to it financially, but not necessarily going. And, uh, you know, and that's wonderful. I think God uses a lot of different giftings to continue his mission moving forward. But, you know, in our growth guides this, this month, uh, this coming month, we're going to go into a deeper um, 
dive into those five stages that uh, Nita was just talking about, just to help us be a people that genuinely build relationships, not making people feel like projects at all. It's just a matter of loving with the love of Christ, just loving people. I think the world longs for the church to be that. Um, but I think this is uh, an opportunity where um, Grace Spring is a part of a ministry called Christ Followers for Change. And Christ Followers for Change uh, is a group of churches, um, Center Point Church, South Ridge, Agape Christian, Trenches, and Grace Spring, five of us churches. We partner together and we just say, okay, what is the Lord leading us to support for a while? And here in your growth guide, it will talk about Shalom, our response care center, Urban Alliance, really helping kids in the streets, um, Naomi's Village in Kenya, Children's Hope Chest, Guatemala. Um, these are all in greater detail here. But here is the, the, the next step, really, of Community Table this year. Community Table, you know, as you saw during the announcements, we had people within the first week, almost, almost 200 bundles of groceries were like, hey, we're going to do that. This church is a very generous church. Our community is going to benefit from the holidays as a result of that. So thank you for that. But now there's a next step this year. And some of you are going to go, oh, here we go. We're going to have a special offering throughout the month of November that you can designate to. That is supporting the ministry of Christ Followers for Change. Um, Jeff Port, who's been a longtime part of that ministry, he told me as a pastor, he said, Brian, if you would have told me that you could double your missions giving by having a separate offering this way, I would have said, you're crazy. People are already giving to all kinds of things. But he says the history of Centerpoint is we double our offering. And so I think Centerpoint has out of the 180,000, I think they give close to what, 100,000? Even more. Yeah, they give, that's center point, okay? Um, and that's not, no, I mean, just, <laughs> Jeff and I, we're, we got this thing. Um, but we are just asking, uh, I, I'm just asking you to prayerfully, if, if God didn't lead you to help with the groceries or whatever, or maybe he did, I just said, man, let's prayerfully see what God could do in helping support these ministries. Um, here in the month of November, you're going to hear about each one of these that we're supporting um, in more detail in the weeks ahead. But uh, anything you want to share about that since you're the president of Christ Followers? Oh, yes, of course I want to say something. I, one of the best things about being able to have this offering together with local churches is sometimes local churches don't always play well together, for lack of a better word. And to be allowed to come alongside for a particular reason for some of the, the requests from these different groups are very specific. I think Children's Hope Chest in Guatemala, some of you um, sponsor prayer partners there. But what we've been involved in long-term with Christ Followers for Change is a way to, um, through kids, meeting their families, getting into their community, how can a community be um, restored to a better level so that they can in turn be more independent from what we would give now. So it's kind of a, a gift in that we've continued. They are working on this whole great um, economic thing for what do the 18 to 26 year olds need to know so that they can be able to uh, have a better living, not just because 
it's a better living, but how does that allow them to strengthen their local church? And in turn, how will that church reach out in the community, which has a lot of gangs? Christ Followers for Change, when they first started, um, it was the AIDS epidemic, and um, churches weren't always knowing how they wanted to feel about helping uh, with AIDS. Um, so that isn't a big part. The, the things that uh, get to, to be brought up here, sometimes it's a one-time yearly thing, but it's for a specific purpose that allows the people who are already working in that area where God has called them to serve to get a little boost in different things they want to do, and that's what we have the, the privilege of, of doing in this. Anita, thank you so much. And one of the projects that we have been supporting for a while, we're not doing it this next year, but we have, and that is Mission India. And uh, Mission India is, going, is just an incredible ministry happening there. And uh, something about India is that India, that territory has one-sixth of the world's population. One-sixth. There are 41 million souls that are, or 41,000 souls born every day in India. Um, there is growing hostility against Christians um, there in that country. It's in the top 10 of the world watch list. And uh, Jeff Port and I have the opportunity to go with seven other pastors from across the country. And we are heading out this Thursday for India to check out what the Lord is doing there in India. And so... Um, yeah, so Mich that? yeah, Mission India was one of the, um, for the past three years, it's been a Christ Followers for Change uh, a recipient of funds. So that was the end of that term. And so now the pastors are getting to go and see how God was able to work through funds donated from little old Kalamazoo, Richland, greater area, how it's been serving in India. So, um, yeah, Brian gets to go. Uh, yes. We're going to be sending him off. And one of the exciting things about it, he's going quickly. He's going November 2nd through 11th. And uh, we will be putting out on the prayer sheet some daily prayer prompts that you can do for him. I think it's probably going to go out on social media too. But on um, the 8th and 9th, they're going to be, um, boy, say the name, Brian. Varanasi, yeah, <laughs> I think. My eyes are a little yeah, dry right now. But on those days in particular, it's a very dark part of the world, and other teams that have gone before um, have felt a lot of um, spiritual attacks um, on the days that they're visiting. So I would ask everybody if you can remember the 8th and 9th and to pray on behalf of uh, Brian and the team, and also for how God will use this experience to continue uh, Mission India to be encouraged to move forward after Christ Followers for Change has, has made that commitment done. That's right. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of encouragement to the underground church that's happening there and all throughout. We're, we, it's, it's, we're, we're going all throughout India. It's going to be something. And pray also because I teach a new members class on November 12th, and I fly back November 11th. So if you want to see a loopy pastor doing that, we're going to have a blast. It's going to be great. 
but uh, do you want to lead us in a time? Yeah, so I'm going to ask if uh, people could stand up, and I'm going to pray over Brian before he's leaving. This is the last Sunday he'll be around, and so if you feel comfortable putting your hands forward but uh, and offering additional prayer, but we just want to make sure the team is covered in prayer, as we should for every day of our life. Um, so why, why we suddenly get better about praying when someone's going farther away when we don't just walk out our door in the morning. Um, I guess that's something that everyone should consider. So. And before, we, before you pray, um, aren't we blessed to have Anita uh, doing this? Thank you so much. Thank you. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be able to see with time just the clarity of, of what God is doing missionally here to continue to give us clearer and clearer targets. But we always want to be about the ministry of making much about the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this team that's going to be able to go to India and see what you've been doing over many years and months. Um, allow them to see the joy and celebrate with them for what you've done, to allow them to see the part that's above ground right now, which maybe has been a seed underground for many years, many months. We thank you for this privilege in this day to be able to travel and to be encouraged by others to support them, but more so to change us for when we come back to see how if we did this a little differently, there would be much more value for the kingdom. So we pray for each um, man on this team. We pray in particular for the 8th and 9th in Varanasi that you, your power would be strong and that um, they would be encouraged while they're there. We thank you for this church body as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, Anita. Thank you.